podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro, podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I am Trev Downey and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Liverpool 3, Norwich 1 in the Premier League from Anfield are Dave Hendrick and Carl Matches. Dave, despite um, uh, our efforts to sort of confuse and 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 wind people up, uh, it's very much business as usual today. The lineup back to normal and the Reds doing what the Reds do. Um, I'll buy that for a dollar. Absolutely. I mean, a bit of a strange game today where Klopp made a lot of changes. It didn't really work. We had some, you know, some moments of sustained pressure. We had our chances. But all in all, it felt very disjointed. It felt, you know, the midfield was it was a complete mess for the first hour. And Norwich were finding ways to play through them very easily. The front three didn't really click at all. It seemed to be like Mo was playing one game and the other two boys were trying to play something different. And then we had the introduction of Thiago Alcantara. And then everything made sense again. It, you know, it, it's just like we were two different teams, one without him and one with him. And... He is a very, very special footballer. And I, I will take no dissuasion from the fact that he's the man of the match today because the entire game ch- uh, changed when he came on. Hard to think of uh, a substitution impact that was more um, viscerally obvious than that one by Thiago. I had have to agree with you on that. It was, It's why we love watching him. Um, he, he just, it, it, it's, it's one of those phrases that people use a lot. Uh, that someone got the game by the scruff of the neck and it always seems a little bit of a reach. Maybe it's a lad who's banged in two goals or something like that. But this is someone actually manipulating the flow of play in a way that, like I said, is incredibly visceral. Even uh, 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 someone who doesn't really understand the game can watch and say, oh, he seems to be on the ball a lot. Oh, he seems to be good at that kicking the ball thing. I mean, he's just a remarkable player. And um, I would love nothing more than to see him instrumental in a couple of Liverpool trophy wins, Dave, I have to say. Absolutely. And I mean, he, he deserves that. And I mean, the last normal season he had, which was his last season at Bayern, they won everything in sight. Last year, he joined the Liverpool team that at the start of the season looked like we may well go on and win everything in sight. And then Virgil got hurt and, you know, Matip got hurt, Gomez got hurt and the whole season just went down the toilet. But at the end of the year, that last 10 game run, we saw what we expected to see from him once he and Fabinho paired up in midfield. Absolutely different class. And this season, whenever he's been on the pitch, we have just been a completely different team. We are just an unstoppable force with him on the pitch. And without him, we there's just something lacking. There's something missing. And obviously, today we're also missing Fabinho, who's a big, big part of why it all works. But, I mean, this is a really special player. And you just need to look at his career 
And look at the winning he's been part of. In his early career at Barcelona, he was part of a real winning culture. You know, a team that went and won everything. A side deemed arguably the greatest club side of all time. He was part of that mix. And while he wasn't a regular starter for that Barcelona team, he was still playing, you know, 45 and 36 games in his last two seasons there. Won four league titles with Barcelona, a couple of cups, a European Champions League. Goes to Bayern, seven titles in a row. European Cup, World Club Cup in his first season. Just won everything. This is the culture that he's used to. And this is what he brings. We've heard a lot about James Milner bringing a winning mindset. But James Milner brought a winning mindset as a squad player from Manchester City who, who hadn't had sustained success, you know, a couple of titles a few years apart. Whereas with Thiago, he's used to winning every single year. The guy won league titles in every season bar one from 08-09 up until his last season or up, up until his first season with us. He'd won the league title every season bar one from 08-09 until last season. Think about the level of quality you have to have to be in among that level and doing that and playing as many games as he was for the last couple of years at Barca and then during his entire tenure at Bayern. He's such an elite level player. Yeah, um, and let's hope that um, this year leads to uh, a sort of a make-up for last year's trophyless uh, situation for him, and, and we we get a few pots over the line. And Carl, in a sort of slight change to the usual, um, it, it an important thing that we need to address here because it, it we're talking about Thiago because he had to be introduced, and Klopp made a, a very sort of bold decision. I wonder, and maybe feel free to discount this as nonsense, but I wonder if it was on the back of his very vocal, um, um, very borderline controlled rage outburst about um, people who are talking about five substitutions, not knowing what they're talking about. And he went on at length about it and he made a very good case for it. Um, and I, I, I thought when I saw that, right, there were going to be many changes. But to take out first team or Trent Alexander-Arnold, to, to take out um, Ibrahima Kanate, who was looking really good and bring back in Joel Matip is possibly not such a shock. To do the same on the far side with Andy Robbo and take out um, and put, put in Simicus, um to start with a midfield of uh, Ox, Hendo and Keita when you've got Fab there and Thiago, as we've just been speaking about, who we've all said are, are two starters no matter what. And then it's about who fills in. Uh, and then um, we had no Bobby Firmino who'd done the business during the week. It's a, it's a, it, it, There were a lot of changes there. And uh, it, 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 it takes, does it take a degree of bravery? Does it... Is there any danger there was a bit of a statement there? Or do you think he just really buys into this thing that now we have the squad, we're going to use it? I think a bit of both, to be fair. I think he does um, maybe a little overstate more than it needs to be because he sort of keeps getting questioned on it or accusations the other way, keep getting leveled at him and he kind of has to double down on it, you know? But we have seen cup games this season where he's had five subs and he hasn't used them all. So you can't have it both ways and say it's absolutely because of that, because you know they haven't been utilised. There's been several cup games um, where we've only made, let's say, four changes, and one of them has been in like the 88th minute sort of thing. So I, I do think that definitely there was going to be changes for this game. I was probably hoping it would be around the maybe four or five players would be changed. I think it is a little bit of a risk to change both your, your holder midfielder and both fullbacks, because that 
that wide triangle of the team is so pivotal in transitions in both directions. Uh, so I did think that that was maybe the the most worrisome aspect of it. But overall, because of the shape of the squad at the moment, because you know not too many players are out, and because we have this extra attacking option who is a first team option rather than you know, with respect, it is a different lineup when you've got Origi coming into the lineup or someone like that. Diaz is a first eleven player. Uh, he's he's going to take a little while to become that, but in terms of quality and impact and what he does, he's a first eleven player. So it still looked a starting eleven for Liverpool. I mean, you wouldn't be surprised at any given point of the season if any of those players, maybe with the exception, I would say, of Simicas being a starter, because Robbo is such a first eleven player. But apart from that. There wasn't really much, just the fullbacks, Gomez obviously. But apart from the two fullbacks, you wouldn't be downhearted if if that was you know a big big match and that was the lineup. Let's say there wouldn't be an an element of where are the goals going to come from today? Where's the creativity going to come from today? There were attacking options everywhere. There were like I say, first choice faces, and we have to be able to rotate the squad a bit and in this really, really heavy run of games that we've got coming up, as we've spoken about several times before, we need the players who are not every week starters to be sharp enough to impact off the bench at different times and different games. We are going to rely on a Keita and Oxlade-Chamberlain, a Diaz, whatever it is. So you have to get them involved now and then in the league matches as well. And obviously, just, Norwich just went to bottom. Just in very quickly, um, Klopp has said in his post-match, Bobby will be out for a while. So the Luis Diaz first team minutes are going to come quick and fast because he's now out and Jot is out. So um, our our, the the depth we were all very very happy about is uh, is lasted a week quickly. Yeah. Is there is is there any explanation for Bobby muscle injury? Muscle injury, but I I don't know what it is. It has to be something in training because obviously he played against Inter and looked fine. Didn't look to be carrying anything, so he's obviously picked something up in training. And what's worrying is that's a second muscle injury for Bobby this season. A guy who'd been pretty much bulletproof yeah. during his Liverpool tenure till this season. So hopefully it's not the start of ongoing muscle problems for him. But you know we'll, we'll hopefully get him back as quickly as possible. But Divock being back is is at least a plus because this is the type time of season where Divock becomes well, he becomes Divock. Other than that, he's just some fellow asleep on the bench. <laughs> sleep on any bench and can we can we just uh, uh clarify as well for those of us who avoid the day-to-day news like the plague um the Jota situation I've heard a lot of different things um I know he's been using a boot and I know it's a ankle ligament but there is optimism isn't there around his possible return by at the time we're playing Chelsea at the end of the month isn't that am I right in saying that or have things changed well, they haven't ruled him out of the cup final, yeah. So that's a positive, but yeah, you know, it, you just don't get the the full story with Jurgen. No, you never. La- no. Last season, Jota got the ankle injury and ended up missing a couple of months. Joel got an ankle injury, missed five months. So we'll just have to keep our fingers crossed that it's nothing too serious. That it is only you know like a bad sprain or something, and that he's back within. Like if he's back for the cup final, brilliant. But if he's not, hopefully it's within the you know the weeks after that. In the uh, Anfield Index podcast, uh, the the main show um, last night with Cam and Lisa Marie, uh, <laughs> which I called Trev Leaves AI, just to wind a few more people up on the back of the Discord uh, crack. Uh, I was very, very 
worried that this was going to be another Burnley. Um, and I discussed with the with the guys the whole concept that I discussed with Jan on the show. And I think we dug into on Raw as well about why is it that we just don't have this uh, you know, effect on teams. And 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 I I just thought Jan's take was really interesting where he was saying, look, it's actually a proper occasion for pl- people to be playing, for teams to be playing against Liverpool, and we just have that heft about us as a club, and it's why teams get up so much for it, and there maybe just is, you know, it's an added factor, and I hadn't really considered that. I was, I was being very simplistic and saying, why is it that that, that they're much scarier than us, and it, it was a little bit simplistic, but. I did fear, I have to say, looking at this game, that it was going to be another sort of a Burnley. And, and you know, I have to say, I think I probably got that mostly right. So it proved. Obviously, lineup changes make a bit of a difference. But this t- team we went out against today, uh, despite their very lowly league position, um, again, have quite a few decent footballers. And I wouldn't mind looking at this team with both of you now. They started today with... Uh, Brian Gunn's kid in goal, uh, Max Ahrens and Grant Hanley, and they had Gibson and Williams, Gilmore, Norman, McLean, and then Sergeant Pukki and Rashidza. Um, you know, on a di- on a different day, you're looking at, at quite a few of those players and going, well, I can see how they might be attractive to other teams and you know, they have a bit about them. Uh, on their bench, maybe for, from uh, the perspective of someone who's maybe not as 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 into uh, the squad depth around the league as as, as some others, Byram, Zimmerman, Dowell, Plaquetta, who came on, Kabak, Lise Malou, Janulis, uh, McGovern and Rowe, to me, are, are a lot of names that, and, and maybe only two or three of them familiar to me. So I don't know what they're like squad depth. I know they're missing a big player. But, Carl, can I start with you and talk about the lineup that, he, that, that, that Dean Smith's gone with? There's been a lot of talk uh, about how things have improved since... Uh, my favourite voice in, in in football, Daniel Farka, left uh, or was gotten rid of. Um, what is it that you think that this guy is trying to do here? Uh, how 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 are the, how have they changed? And 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 is that very much how you expected them to shape up against us today? It was because they uh, they lost Adam Ida for the rest of the season uh, midweek. Uh, he's had uh, surgery on a, a knee injury, I think it was. So they had been sort of trying to play a very tight, very aggressive 4-4-2 or 4-4-1-1, just one off the other. But losing him last week and this time they've gone with the 3-3. So Rashika and Sargent as the wider outlets and just an extra midfielder instead of the extra forward. So it's pretty much as was expected. They probably, in terms of the actual gameplay, counterattacked earlier and more often than I expected them to. But I think that that period, which you know, we'll get to describe in detail, but um, around the 50 to 60 sort of minute mark where they were camped on the edge of their own box and repelling lots of stuff but had nowhere to go, that's kind of what this formation and this lineup leaves them. It very, very quickly becomes a very deep 4-5-1, which is why against a lot of the teams around them and in mid-table, uh, over the last month or so, he tried to go with two forwards and two attack-minded wider players to get them upfield a bit more, to have a bit more of an outlet, to to put a bit more pressure on opposition teams in midfield. And it was working nicely for them. You know, up until they've just now played Man City and Liverpool in a row and lost them both, they'd got themselves three or four nice results on the spin through to the next round of the Cup against Liverpool, of course. 
Um, so he, he's definitely put a lot more aggression and energy in this team. I think a lot more off the ball direction and intensity about the defensive work. But like you said, a, a couple of key injuries there, one at either end of the pitch is never, ever, ever going to help you. So missing your first choice goalkeeper and someone who has helped you go to a two-man attack. Uh, and Ida obviously does have quite a bit of a, a presence about him as well as a, a decent touch and turn and shot on him. It's uh, it's going to be a bit of a difficult run-in now for them. I hope that this couple of games lost with quite a few goals against them isn't really going to you know, completely wipe out the, the positive mindset that they probably built up over the previous three or four matches. Yeah, well, I, I like my, like myself, I'm sure you wouldn't mind them having um, a very, very um, despondent attitude when we played in the cup. But apart from that, you'd partially wish them well indeed. And and Dave, I wouldn't mind just speaking to you about, you know, um, you know, it, it, this is going to sound predatory and it's going to sound like we're the entitled Liverpool fans. I, I don't mean it that way. But, the, you know, there's a real, as Carl suggested, there's a real potential for, for this lot to, to, to maybe really struggle to stay in the division. And obviously that means people are going to come circling around. And I'm reminded that, you know, they've got Ozan Kabak there on the bench as, a, as I was looking at the, the squad that they named earlier on today. And, and, and I'm wondering... Um, you know, when you consider the, the the situation which he was with us, is there any danger he gets in that team? Like, I I haven't seen a whole lot of what they're doing with their lineups. Um, was he a feature under Farka and now not under Smith, or what what's going on there? Do you think he was for a while? He's had some injuries. He's had a couple of illnesses. He is a COVID twice. But I mean, the the thing is, Dean Smith wants a right footer and a left footer there because he likes that balance. So he wants right. Ben Gibson in the team. And the other one is Grant Hanley. Now, I think Grant Hanley is an absolute yard dog. A big cart horse of a donkey. Like, he's he's just a bargain bin Harry Maguire. But he does the things Dean Smith wants in that he's really dominant in the air. He's an old school head it and kick it Steve Bruce type of centre-back. And when the game's in front of him, he's absolutely fine. As we saw today, once the game was in front of him, as it was for the first 60 minutes, he was fairly good. Yeah, But once yeah. they started to make cleverer runs in around him and once Thiago was getting on the ball and progressing it as opposed to the side-to-side nonsense, side-to-side nonsense we'd seen in the first half with the, the three lads that started, we started to get in and around him more often and you could see how uncomfortable he looked. From, from 60 on, he just looked completely lost. He couldn't find any of our attackers. They were running off the back of him. They were getting him turned. And when he's defending his own goal, he really, really struggles. Defending, facing his own goal, he really struggles. So, like, for Quebec, it's just, you know, for him to get in the team, the, the club captain would have to be dropped. And given Quebec is not owned by Norwich, and also given the fact that he's a young centre-back and it's a relegation scrap, Dean Smith is more likely to go with more experienced, sort of long-term pieces rather than a youngster who's is only on loan. It's unfortunate for him. It is unfortunate for him. I think if Norwich's season had gone a bit better, we'd be seeing a lot more of him. But it is what it is. They've also obviously lost Omar Bamadeli, the other Irish boy, to an injury. Um, and he'd had some decent appearances this season as well. So a couple of blows for the Paddies and Norwich. But um, look, it, that squad isn't isn't bad. Like There's a good team to be had there. Uh, I really didn't understand the decision to start Billy Gilmore today. And I understand less the decision to leave him on because I thought he was a complete non-factor in the game. I'd struggle to name anyone that was worse on the pitch today. 
like the other Norwich players all at least put in a shift and you noticed them playing. Billy Gilmore was just completely anonymous. That, that's really strange, though. I mean, like, again, for people who aren't watching him every week, they, all they'll know is that he's this up-and-comer. And for, uh, as you say, today, someone like Williams played him off the park. He was really good, like, um, advancing the ball, you know. Um, uh, a couple of other lads had moments as well. Uh, Rashidza, for for example, uh, looked good um, going forward as well. What's what's the fall off in form there about? Is it just you know time to maybe step out for a while because he's a youngish fella, or what do you put I, it down? I just don't think he's the type of player you want when you're at the bottom of the table. Like right, okay. he's fine when you've got lots of the ball, but he he's not the biggest. He's not the most physical. He struggles in the tackle. You can see he wants to do it. You can see he wants to get in and about and be busy and try and take the ball off players, but his physicality just isn't there right now and. You know, they've got the likes of Norman and McLean and um, those two are both much more physical players. They've got, a, you know, Sorensen's been playing in there in recent weeks. Lise Malou's been playing there. Those four, I think, would give them a better chance than Rashika. And obviously, as Carl mentioned earlier on, they had been playing sort of a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-4-2 with um, Adam a day up front with, with, with Pukki and Without him there, I don't really understand why Smith hasn't just replaced him with another attacker as opposed to just bringing in another midfielder because it's blunting the attack. And now you're asking Sargent to play that bit more narrow as well, whereas he was doing really well playing as an out-and-out right winger, allowing Max Ahrens to get by him, playing very similar to what Dirk Couch used to do for us when we had Glenn Johnson behind him, where Dirk would do all the donkey work and a lot of the tracking back and allow Glenn Johnson to do whatever it is Glenn Johnson was doing certainly wasn't anything good. But, you know, that partnership was something Rafa liked on the right. And then you, you were getting Rashika in more space on the left as well. And today Rashika got a little bit of, you know, positive action on the ball when he dropped way out wide rather than staying in the narrow 4-3-3. So I think Smith has ham- hamstrung himself a bit today with that setup. Um, I think if he played another attacker or more of an attacking midfielder instead of Gilmore and gone 4-2-3-1 and played Sargent and Rashid out wide, I think they might have had a bit more joy than what they got in the end. Yeah, I I have to say, uh, it was, I've 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 I was watching Mike Dean today and, and thinking, what 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 am I going to be able to say about Mike Dean? And he kind of stayed out of my way, I kind of stayed off my radar a little bit. Um, I saw him doing Mike Dean things, but the camera wasn't really on him or he was in the back of the shot or whatever it was. So I'm kind of disappointed. I was I was I was looking forward to having lots to say about Mike Dean, but but Dave, you seem to you seem to have picked up on something I didn't. in terms of a little ref watch moment here. He just but, seemed awfully cheery with himself today. He really like, did. He yeah. seemed to be absolutely delighted that he was getting the big calls, right? Like the uh the Mane, the, the two Mane incidents where he was brought down in the box, one where he ran into Sargent or Sargent ran into him, and the other one where he got in a tangle with um was a Grant Handley. And he, he you know, the VAR obviously reviewed them and then didn't didn't overturn them. And he just seemed absolutely chilled up himself, broke into a big smile, was waving everybody to play on. Just a a bizarre he just seemed really happy that he, you know, I'm not having a shit game. I'm doing well today. And the credit to Mike Dean, you know, it, 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 those days for him are are few and far between because he is normally an atrocious referee. But 
I, I thought, you know, apart from obviously the appearance of him and the, the fact that he does very much fall into the category of referees that I've mentioned before, who, with the greatest respect to them, they're too old to be refereeing at this yeah. level. Yeah, like, he's, he's not... He's not he, was he? What, what, what age is Mike Dean? He must be 50, isn't he? I thought he was mid-50s. And he, Mike to be... Dean, he's 53. Yeah, there you go. And with, with the greatest respect, he's just not able to keep up with play well enough. No, he's, like, he's not. He's not fit. Like mo- most of those guys aren't fit. They're carrying a lot of timber. It's not exactly. right. That that, sh- like, that shouldn't be the way it is. I I don't understand it. I just that's don't. the thing. For like for me, I've, I've said this before. One of the things I'd love to see happen is when players fall out of the game at you know nineteen, twenty, twenty one. Yeah, it's good I'd point. love there to be a pathway for with the PGMOL where certain players who want to stay involved in football but maybe don't see themselves as coaches can go and become referees can go and be trained, and if not referees, maybe train them to be VAR, specifically to be VAR, not a match day official, just a VAR, and keep them involved in the game. Like These are kids that have a love for the game, have an appetite for the game, and especially ones that have just come out of academies that have a high level of fitness, get them into the lower leagues, bring them up from the very bottom tier all the way up, and by the time they're 26, 27, 28, they're going into the Premier League with seven, eight, nine years of experience refereeing behind them and they're in their physical peaks. And if you can get five to ten good years out of them, then by their late 30s, they're dropping back out and going. Maybe then they go on to become VAR or whatever the fuck. But this thing of having lads in their in their mid-50s refing games, like you just can't keep up with the play. You, you just can't get anywhere close to it. Yeah, it's it's a strange one and there doesn't seem to be any will to change it. So there we are. Uh, first half of the first half with you, Carl, and let's go through the the moments of, of note. Um, they had the ball in the net, but it was one of those things that we continued to talk about where our, our line um, did the job. Uh, and in four minutes, the first real chance happened. Sadio Mane got on to, it helps the ball onto Mo Salah uh, over on his usual right-hand side. He cuts back out and dinks a lovely ball over to the back post where Simicus is arriving. He has plenty of time, um, but for some reason leans back, makes a weird contact. It's not like he's just reaching to get there. It looked like he was in, there in time, but puts it over almost inexplicably um, with his left foot on the volley from you know a yard. Uh, so that was a massive chance. And to be honest, there's nothing really of note until 13 minutes uh, when having stayed up for a corner, uh, Virgil uh, heads a Sadio Mane cross back across the face of goal, but the keeper saved it. Um, on 14 minutes, Pookie was played in. There was no flag. Um, it was a Williams pass and he pulled his shot across the face of goal from right to left, uh, narrowly wide. It was a great opportunity, but again, because it nothing crewed from it and the ball went dead, um, they didn't really show much more than one replay, so we don't know whether the defence did the job again or whether we were split open. Maybe you do, Carl, if you do, you can come in on that. Uh, 16 minutes, uh, dangerous mole cross, palmed away, the ball broke to Diaz, he cut in and curled powerfully just over the top. Um, and that was the moment where one of those um, moments that um, Dave was talking about where it looked like Sadio might have been taken out, but again, minimal replays and 
Mike Dean seems to think he got it right. Uh, some wonderful work then from Mo Salah, again in his usual zone, turning Williams inside and out, uh, beating numerous defenders, gets a shot away from a narrow angle, ball goes out for a corner, and a chance occurs on 19 minutes where uh, Mo has a header towards goal. It's cleared off the line by Norman, I think, uh, that led to a corner and then another chance where a low shot by Naby Keita is blocked before it reaches the goal line. And that's pretty much where I want to pause it with you. And honestly, uh, uh, this feeds into something I'm going to say about at halftime. When they were showing the, Premier Sports were showing the um, highlights of the first half and the lads in the studio, Kenny Cunningham and and, and I can't remember... Um, I just the name escapes me at the moment. They were talking about all the various chances that Norwich had and for the second game in a row. All the chances they that they were showing were offside or not really chances at all. And it just seems to be the narrative. And in what I've described to you there, Carl, it does seem like unless unless I'm being very one eyed about it, that you know we were ha- we were very much on top and creating chances and having taking making efforts at goal. And it, it's not. It, Basically, I wasn't seeing the game that it appeared others were seeing. What did you make of that first half of the first half? If we had been in any way clinical whatsoever, people would have been saying that it was a classic case of a team at the top against a team at the bottom. Even if exactly the same rest of the game had been played. Because we were, what, two goals to the good we should have been within the first five, six minutes. I mean, Simikas... Yeah, anybody should score that goal, basically. I know it's on the half volley, but on his favoured foot, decent angle, decent distance, what, three, four yards from goal? It should have been a goal. And then probably one of Salah and Diaz, you would expect to at least hit the target. And, you know, from that kind of distance with the power they get on it, that kind of thing, it probably should have been a goal. There was no real point in that first uh, quarter of the game or so where Norwich had proper possession in the final third where they had any kind of sustained territory in in our half of the pitch where they had a succession of chances there was like the odd thing broke for them or there was a a pass through after the free kick or there was as you rightly say offsides that's not chances and we've been over this and I suspect that this is going to be a thing that we have to go over maybe several times in the next few weeks, these kind of things seem to just appear and you hear about them again and again and again, and then everybody sort of gets on with it and and gets past the fact that they were just wrong all the time. So today, just like in midweek, offsides, not chances against us. So yeah, I fully agree with you. We were We were on top. I think in that first 15 minutes, 20 minutes, we were actively fairly good, maybe a little slow in some of the build-up play, maybe a little... Uh, not quite sharp enough with some of those passes from the from the number eight sort of zones, but basically on top, good and good enough to be ahead if we'd just been a bit more clinical. Now, I just want to do one thing as a kind of a bridge between this and the second half of the first half that I'll talk to Dave about, and I'll get an opinion from you, and then we can start with there with Dave. Uh, as I'm watching Luis Diaz in the, in that opening um, section of the first half. Uh, up to the kind of half hour mark, I'm watching as he's 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 maybe loses out on a couple of take ons. He tried to turn with the ball into space and lost the ball a couple of times, and it was very different to what we've seen from him so far. Where I've been kind of boring everyone to tears talking about how brilliant he is with ball retention, and so I wonder, Carl. I mean, this is again just. Um, 
a guess. But I wonder, was there something different in what, in the instructions from the sideline um, in Luis Diaz's game today? Um, because it he just wasn't as really tidy. Now, obviously, when we ended up back on top towards the end of the game, he's back doing the things that we've seen him do. And I'm I'm just curious, what do you think? Do you think it was any sort of possibly slightly different instruction from the coaching team for his game um, in that opening half? Or, or, or was it just a coincidence that a few things didn't work in a row, do you reckon? I think this is probably just something we're going to have to get used to with Diaz and his game, because quite a few of the the biggest parts of his performance do involve, you know, one-on-one play and trying to take defenders on that sort of thing. And that's, that's not actually an easy thing to do. You know, we're, we're used to seeing, you know, something like Salah today was absolutely ridiculous in one-on-one and indeed one V two situations. And that's just a different level. Diaz is, a regular in terms of trying to face up his man and get past him. And I think actually you have to give quite a lot of credit for Max Aaron's today because he has the pace. So he didn't have to drop off all the time. He was happy to go really, really tight in against Diaz knowing that if he tried to, you know, knock it past him and then go, he could probably match him or at least stop him getting the cross in that kind of thing. So I think Max Aaron's actually did really well in that first half. The, the, the only thing I would say about Diaz losing the ball several times which you're absolutely right he did is that a few of them were with the first touch where he was a little bit loose with that or he was a little bit trying to turn with his first touch and it didn't always come off I think there was one where he tried to do from uh, I think it was a pass from Virgil into his feet and he tried to do like a drag back and, and turn the other way all in one motion didn't quite come off so these things were a little bit loose definitely so but I don't think it was a massive concern and I don't think that there was a, a huge change in his actual approach compared to what he normally does only thing i would maybe say is that in his first couple of games it would be fairly normal if he didn't try to do all the outlandish stuff if he's just trying to you know fit in and win a place in the team and keep it a little bit more safe that kind of thing i think that makes a lot of sense and at one point i think about the 26 or 7 minute uh, mark uh the commentator on my channel said luis diaz turns into grant hanley and all i could think was well that's the worst magic trick ever uh nobody needs to see that uh <laughs> the second half of that first half dave and feel free to start with your thoughts and diaz when i run through a few of these uh, uh items to try and jog your memory there was a dangerous ball in by henderson on 27 minutes it broke to nabi keita his deep cross with the left foot uh went to the back post and Sadio had no angle really, but he did a Sadio on and got his head to it, but went over the bar. 32 minutes, there were two of theirs offside, but of course play went on and they got to put in a threatening ball from the left. And, you know, you, it, I'm sick of it. Carl's talked about it. I've talked about it. You've talked about it. We'll just leave it at this stage and hopefully he's right and it'll start to fix itself quietly. On 37 minutes, there was a really decent dig from Simicast. Uh, his touch wasn't great so he had to get a snapshot away and it was a really good dig low and into the mm. corner well saved by Gunn to be fair uh, Virgil had the ball in the goal then after Ox had hit a vicious shot poor Jordan, uh, Jordan Henderson's uh, either his midriff or possibly a, a more painful region uh, lower, <laughs> lower down because he, he wasn't it well did, it did seem to get him right in the testicles it did seem to get him right in the, in, in the Hendo knackers I have to say 39 minutes Williams took, on, uh, took out Diaz got a yellow for it Diaz was breaking from about the halfway line he looked like he was actually <laughs> they had left almost nobody back it would have been a real opportunity uh, Mo cut in and shot with the typical Mo shot in 42 minutes uh, Simicus had a right footed volley just wide on 45 
and actually, you know, it's not a bad chance that. And then on 46 minutes, Mo played in Ox. And of course, uh, he's right through. Um, he's driving in on goal. He takes a decent hit with his left foot. Uh, but Hanley um, uh, managed to get a deflection and, and, and Mike Dean blows the whistle. So there was, again, you know, I'm sorry, but if we examine it, the boys at half time, Damien Delaney and, and Kenny Cunningham, they're, they're, they're talking fucking shit because there's not a whole lot there from Norwich. And all we heard was how great they'll be and they'll be really happy with this. And they've kept Liverpool to nil nil. And honestly, when they scored down the second half, it was almost as if the narrative was, was, was paying off for them. And that's not the game I was watching, Dave. But you have described it as partially disjointed that first half. So maybe maybe you saw it differently. No, I mean we were definitely on top. There's no, there's no doubt we were on top in the first half. We were openly the better team, and even the commentators who seemed far too preoccupied for most of the game with lauding Grant Hanley's, you know, Franco Baresi impression, um, were were saying at different spells, you can feel there's a Liverpool goal coming here, and they were putting the curse on us, of course, because it's what commentators do. But, you know, there just seemed to be an inability for the front three just to get a a link-up going. Sadio and Diaz were making runs into the same area. So crosses to the back post were going beyond them because Diaz was looking to get really central whenever the ball was on the right-hand side. And as I said earlier, Mo just seemed to get a little bit lost in wanting to embarrass Brandon Williams time after time after time. Ox was trying to join the attack and everything the poor fella tried to do just seemed to go to shit. Henderson couldn't get things going. He was completing his passes, but nothing was going forward. And Naby was trying to make things happen, but just whether it's a lack of, you know, a a lack of coherence with Costas and Diaz, I mean, that's a left side that's never played together before. They just couldn't quite figure out the movements of each other. And I thought the same thing with Diaz and Costas. There was just a couple of times where the pass was a yard behind or a little bit under hit, things like that. It just it just seemed to be breaking down. It was a little bit like Burnley, where some of the play was really good, and then it just broke down at that last minute. And I thought it was the same in the first half, but like you, I, I was listening to the the half time, thinking like, what game are these folks watching? Like these seem to think it's been an even contest in the first half when it was anything but. And again, it comes down to what we've spoken about. Like we catch them offside, it doesn't get called back. They run through, have a shot on goal, and then it gets called back. And rather than it just being classed as an offside, where our defence has done really well to hold the line, it's a chance for Norwich. And it just it doesn't factor in with reality. Like I, I thought we were easily the better team in that first half. There was plenty of good things to be happy about, but it was all a bit messy in midfield in particular. Like our best avenue was clearly Joe straight to Salah or Virgil switch to Salah, and then the midfield sort of backing it up rather than the ball going through the midfield and then into the forward line. Yeah, which we were able to do in the second half when when he makes the changes. But stay with me, Dave, because it's too close now. And it's on the back of the little narrative that we were chatting about that was building up that, you know, the second half has only started and we are a goal down on 47 minutes since uh, Rashica, Rashica, um, the ball carried across the face of goal by Sargent um, in a way that you never really like to see. Um, 
now I say the face of goal, he's on the edge of the box and he's driving kind of diagonally into the box from right to left. He lays it off to Rashika. Um, Ox doesn't do a great job in closing down Rashika, you'd have to say. Joel sticks a peg out and Rashika's shot is deflected in a way that makes it completely impossible for Ali to get to. Now, it didn't have that demoralizing effect on me at all. I was just like, oh, we're going to win this 4-1, 3-1. That's what I genuinely felt now, but we're going to need to make some changes. Thankfully, that's what happened. But just around the concession of the goal, because we do like to look at it and give, give uh, the opposition their due and, and be honest about the, um, the, 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 the issues, if there are any, from our point of view. Would you tie in with me that perhaps um, Ox could have done a bit more in terms of... He, he looked almost tired and he couldn't have been at that point. Yeah, I think I think there's a couple of them could have done a bit more there, Trev. For for a couple of not just like obviously not just the goal that they got, but there was a couple of moments where they broke through the centre of our midfield far too easily, and it was largely off the back of Ox and Henderson, and and that's just an area that's not as secure when Fabinho's not there, and that's not a knock on anybody that played today. It's just that Fabinho is so spectacularly good at what he does. And he reads the game at a very different level to most of the players. But, yeah, I mean, the Ox thing was weird. He he didn't look to have a real drive in him today. There was a couple of moments in the first half. There was one ball that Joe Gomez played to him on a bit of an angle. Yeah. And it was maybe a half yard ahead of him. But it was still a very reachable ball. And he sort of went as if he was going to sprint for it and then just kind of pulled up. Now... I don't know if he's carrying something or what, but he didn't look to have any real kind of explosiveness to himself today. You know, he he didn't look to be able to confidently take on his man when he wanted to, which is one of the things Ox normally does very well. Now, he had a couple of good moments in the first half in particular, tracking back in the wide areas, not so much in the central areas, but in those wide areas, he covered back behind Gomez once or twice and did quite well, and he got a, got a standing ovation from the from the, the the crowd for that. But there did just seem to be something lacking a little bit with him today that was a little bit of a concern. And it's a shame because what's happened now is you've got a lot of people on social media, as they do, knee-jerk reactions, slating him and saying, oh, he's crap, whatever, ignoring the fact that Ox has actually been pretty good this year. Like yeah. This season, he's actually had a decent enough time. Today was just a bad day for him. But it's his first start in how long? Yeah, well, that's exactly the thing. That's exactly the thing. How how how, how is it going? You have to be a particularly special. And and to be fair as well, I thought I, I have in my notes there in the first half that even though things weren't necessarily coming off, off for him, I thought he he did look bright. But that's why I was so shocked by the what appeared to be a kind of a lazy effort to um uh, get in the way of uh, Rashika as he's coming in. So it's, it's just a strange one. Um, and Carl, we. Don't react badly to the goal at all. In fact, almost straight away there was a, a decent ball uh, and a, a Henderson long ranger blocked on 53 minutes, 54 minutes. Minutes Diaz as a shot deflected just wide. Um, uh, the pressure, uh, the response from the Reds was very good. 57 minutes, a decent outside the foot cross by Williams as they have a half decent attack. Simicus did well at the uh, back post. Uh, to put it out, it was a very confident piece of defending by him for a corner. They got nothing from it. And then we make the changes. Uh, 61 minutes, Thiago and Divock come on for Naby and Ox. And again, I have to say, I wouldn't have called those changes. Um, and it's 
undeniably an attacking uh, pair of substitutions from um, the manager. You can't argue with that. Um, the shape of the, ch- of, of the of the team is going to have to change now anyway if you're going to bring the, the, these two on uh, for the two that you're taking off. Um, and just before the goal, uh, Joe Gomez, who had been sort of getting a little bit of nasty little kind of, um, you know, put downs from the commentary team I was listening to about how he's, well, he can't compare it to, to Trent. And I don't think anybody needs to. And again, like Dave said, I saw an awful lot of social media stuff, um, really insightful uh, stuff from lads talking about how Joe Gomez isn't as good as Trent. Well, well fair, fair play to the lads. Uh, for noticing that. But just before we score, Joe gets himself uh, bombing on down the line. He puts in one of the most beautifully shaped crosses of the day, if not the best cross of the day. And within a couple of minutes, uh, Sadio Mane has put us uh, level with a gorgeous overhead shinner uh, to to the back of the net. Um, I think the ball is dinked in by Henderson. Uh, it's uh, Simicus who heads across the face of goal. And Sadio could have done a million things, Carl, but he takes a go at this. And he had a bit of a cider and a go at this in the previous game, if you recall. So maybe he was just thinking, right, okay, uh, I know what I'm at here. But the athleticism and the execution, albeit off the shin, uh, was very satisfying. And I honestly, I remember saying this to you in the last show, I did just feel, okay, now we go and these might get a bit of a spanking. Um, talk to me about that little run-up to the goal and the goal itself. So first half, actually, I was thinking to myself and a couple of times in before recent matches I had done as well. Um, I, I honestly think that if, if Mane is to sign a new deal and stay, I think that this position probably needs to be his more regular one. Um, obviously, there's an issue at the minute with uh, Jota has been scoring goals there fine, but Jota can play from the left-hand side as well. We've now got Diaz, who has maybe taken up, like Dave said, a few of the similar positions as Mane. But overall, Mane's game has changed quite a lot over the last, let's say, two years or so. And he's not quite as effective in terms of the one-on-ones, maybe not so much at the initial acceleration, which he had um, two years ago. But his movement, his work rate today was like off the charts. Mane was ridiculously good for closing down and winning the ball back for the high press today. He was really, really good at that. And given all his other stuff that he's good at in terms of like, you know, his his aerials, his ability to find space between uh, two defenders, his link up play is always pretty good. His first touch and all the rest of it, role in a defender. I just think that this is a much more ideal role for him if he is to, to like I said, sign a new deal and be part of our longer term plans as well um the goal itself i think showed quite a lot of that because he'd actually just before that second cross came in he made a run across the defender dropped back out again to get involved with the build-up play it went back out to the opposite side he almost went to go down that channel and then he got himself back in the six yard box he didn't touch the ball once in any of that but he made like four attempts to get himself really really involved and then was still in place to score from what is a typical number nine's position at the end of that a uh, really good del- delivery and a very clever little knockdown from from Costas as well, because it would have been easy, given what had happened previously in the game, for him to you know try and have a go himself or to try and rush things or maybe even to take a touch and make sure he got the cross. But it was just ha- as it needed to be. It was a bit more up-tempo and the space was there. They'd, they'd managed to lose their markers at that point. Uh, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. I wasn't really at even 1-0 to them 
you know, concerned that we wouldn't get back in the game or anything because we should have scored at least one, if not at least a couple more probably before that point. So it was always a game which was quite open and quite a lot of chances being created. Um, after the goal, I thought that, that the goal that we conceded, I thought we reacted pretty well, uh, very, very quick in terms of getting ourselves back up the pitch. The substitutions maybe three or four minutes later than I was expecting them to come, but they did come. And again, a double change to not just go like for like with one person, which I think we saw too often at the start of the season, but this was a, a full on change. It was a change of shape. It was the change of shape entailed uh, different players, obviously in key areas of the pitch. I think Norwich quite struggled actually to deal with two players coming up against them uh, at the centre forward sort of area. And we didn't honestly need a number six in this game by that time, especially once they had taken the lead. They weren't committing players forward to the counter-attack. They were sitting really, really, really deep. There was no point in us having a sitter as well as the two centre-backs just recycling the ball. So I was very, very pleased that we went to a double pivot. And honest to God, it took about eight seconds for Thiago to change the flow of this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, it, it was lovely to watch. It genuinely, was lovely to watch. I really liked that take on on Sadio. Actually, it's very interesting. Uh, and Dave, we didn't have long to wait, you know, to to see us double down um, with the with the advantage. Um, a couple of beautiful things about this. Um, it came from a, a Norwich attempt to attack, and Ali, as Ali does, there aren't many. I can't think actually of another keeper who's as good as this um, that I can recall um, looking up and finding the opportunities. We used to love to watch Pepe Reina's long throwouts to people. Mm. Um, that was something that they had, you know, they used to work on. But Ali with the ball uh, at his feet, I mean, there are Gaelic footballers who who do that, uh, who would love the accuracy that Ali can manage. He drops that on Mo's toe. It's an outrageous delivery from the edge of his box on a lean in that way where he can kind of side foot volley it or in-step volley it. And it gets as far as Mo as he's making his run from right to left. His first touch, let's be honest, it's outrageous in that Mo Salah control uh, way. He takes it down with the outside of his foot. He carried it a bit too far. It looked like he'd gone too far and the, the opportunity was gone. The keeper was out at him uh, and he takes it past the keeper. Then he cuts back and then it looks like he's going to blow it again because he kind of ha- looks like he kind of half scuffs his right-footed effort. But... The joy of it, Dave, is that it seems to roll um, slowly past two defenders to go into the back of the net. I mean, it, it was like the two lads were just taking the mickey, who honestly had that feel of a goal that the big lads score when they're playing against the little lads and the little lads don't know what to do because they're just like, ah, that's not fair. They're just bigger and better. I mean, the the excellence from our two footballers, and something about the execution of it made it even more enjoyable for me. What did you make of that whole goal? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a great goal. Uh, we, we for the last few years we keep hearing about you know the goalkeeper distribution and how it's changed and how you know keepers are obviously much better with their feet now than say they were twenty five years ago. But until recently, I always thought the best keeper I ever saw at plucking a ball, scanning the field and then finding a target was Peter Schmeichel. And he wouldn't kick it. He'd throw it 60 yards to Ryan Giggs on an absolute tear. And then United would just power forward. And even if they didn't score, it would get them way, way up the pitch into the opposition half. 
And that's something Ali does better than anybody for us. Like, we see him play these types of passes, and they don't always lead to goals, obviously. That's only his second assist uh, since joining. But it is one assist now for the season, as opposed to Jaden Sancho's zero assists. So that's just something to keep in your back pocket for the next time you're talking to a United fan. Um <laughs> It's a great, it's a great ball. It is a tremendous ball. And Mo's run is so clever. He times it perfectly. He angles it really well. Ali puts it into a position where only Mo can get it. Like you said, it's the accuracy. It's the way he just drops the ball between their defense and attack. Sorry, defense and keeper. Knowing that neither of them can get to that ball before him. And if they try, they're going to fail and he's going to walk into an empty goal. Um, like you, I thought he'd overrun it. Then he ignored the pass to Diaz. And you're like, what are you doing? He turns back. He beats the keeper a second time. And like you, I thought he'd scuff the shot. But when you see it from behind the goal, he actually delays the shot. Yeah. Let's the momentum of Hanley take, and whoever, I think it might have been Brandon Williams, take them past the ball. And he then just rolls it into the corner. Like he allows them to just get out of his way and just uses their own momentum against them, and there's nothing they can do. And as the ball, there's a great shot from behind the goal. As the ball goes behind Hanley, he just sort of throws his head up in the air because he knows neither of us are getting that ball. We, we can't turn around. It's brilliant. It's brilliant from Ali. It's brilliant from Mo. And it was no less than we deserved. Like, we deserved to be in front. We, we fell behind against the run of play. We'd come back into it when the change was made, like Carl said, as soon as Thiago came on. Everything was just different. Everything seemed to make more sense. The two boys up front started to work well. Sadio and Mo were getting more space and more 1v1 opportunities. And I will say, I thought Max Ahrens did really well against Diaz. I thought he played him really aggressively, got really hard into him, which is something Diaz won't be used to because he's just arrived from Portugal where he's used to being able to turn and run at players. Ahrens was playing right up behind him. And forcing him to play to, to lay the ball off, not allowing him to get turned. Sadio, though, is used to that. Sadio is used to fullbacks playing right up into his heels. So he's able to take the ball back, lean into them a bit, and get his spin on. Diaz, Diaz will be fine and you know, give him six, eight more weeks against that type of defender. And he'll be used to it. He'll start to anticipate it a bit more. I thought Sadio started to play really well when he went wide. He'd done fairly well through the middle, obviously. And Carl did, Carl himself did talk about that before, that it's a role he's done really well for us in, in the past. I always go back to that Watford game at Anfield a few years ago where Mo played right, he played through the middle, and Divock played off the left. And we absolutely annihilated them, and, and Sadio was brilliant on the day. So it is a role he can play for us a lot moving forward. And um, it shows the flexibility we have in that group that, you know, Mo can start as an inside right, end up wide right. Diaz starts inside left, end up, ends up through the middle. Mane starts through the middle, ends up wide left. You know Jota can play multiple positions. If Bobby was there today, he could play up front or off the front. So that's all really, really promising for us. And like that second goal, we, we absolutely deserved it. If, in the spirit of what I was saying at the start, again, you know, Norwich fans won't want to hear this and, Lots of Liverpool fans don't want to hear either, but in the spirit of like looking at square pegs and round holes and how we don't really have that much of it going on around our squad anymore, the one area that jumps out at you that we could do with some decent cover is at right back for Trent. Mm. 
Uh, is Max Aaron the kind of lad that we could get? I think he's about 21 or two. I like I know, Max Aaron's. I know I, he's I, an England youth international. But is he yeah. the, is is he a realistic target as a squad player, or is he going to be having far higher ambitions to be maybe you know I don't know playing for for Spurs in a couple of years or you know in that position or you know? See, that's the thing. I mean, you'd look at the big six, and he's certainly better than any of the right backs United have, but they've never really shown any interest in him. You could see him at Spurs, but they do seem to prefer Lamptey. I think Arsenal are set with with um, Tomiyasu. Chelsea obviously have Reese James. We have Trent. So in terms of starting for a big six club, at City obviously with Kyle Walker and Canseo. So in terms of starting for a big six club, there doesn't seem to be a, a chance there for him this year. You start to work your way down through the league. Maybe he could go to Brighton if, if Lamptey leaves. Maybe he could go to Crystal Palace, need a right back. So he'd have to balance up whether he'd rather start for a mid-table team or be a squad player at a at a very top team for a yeah. couple of seasons. And the idea with bringing Max Ahrens in, who, he, he turned 22 in, in January, so he's a, a very young 22, would be you'd bring him in, you'd get three years out of him, you try and build him up and build his value, and then you sell him on. And he becomes a player that a top club wants. That would be the the sort of goal with him. But you are right. Like I tweeted during the first half, as great as it is to see Joe Gomez back playing. And it was, it was wonderful to see Joe Gomez out playing football today because he's had a really tough last two seasons with the injury last year. And then this year trying to work himself back in and he's had a couple of little setbacks and he said COVID and all that kind of thing. It was lovely to see him back out playing football, but the team changes so much when he's there or Milner's there rather than Trent, because Milner doesn't have the ability to play as high as Trent and cover back. Gomez doesn't get as high as Trent because he's more defensive minded. Neither of them have his passing range, though Milner, to his credit, is a decent passer of the ball. So you do really want a right back in there who can be sort of an attacking conduit. And if you go back and watch Norwich, not not last season in the championship, but the previous year they were in the championship, which would have been 18-19. Everything ran through him. He was really the fulcrum of that team. Him and Buendia down that right wing were just tremendous together. And he did really look a very, very special player that year. He made 41 appearances in the championship. It was his first season as a, as a professional as well. He was EFL Young Player of the Year. He was just different class. Now, there's been some rumours that he was could go and play for Jamaica, but he does class as a homegrown player. So he'd definitely be high on the list. The problem would be, what would the price be? Like, are we going to spend the 25 million Norwich might want for him? Yeah, the British premium. Yeah. Yeah. They're not selling so, him for less than 30. They've already said that. Yeah, oh, so, okay. I mean, that, that's probably where, where we would lose out. Because I do think he'd be someone we'd be keen on because he's been well-schooled under Farka. He's obviously... Got plenty of experience now. Even only at only 22, he's played 156 senior games. So you know he's he's got plenty of of minutes under his belt, and he is the type that he can also play left back. So if Costas did move on, you'd have him as an option to go left back either. But um, I, I think the price, and maybe he might just prefer to go somewhere and start for a couple of years, and he'll have options from the likes of Palace and clubs like that who could desperately do with a player like him or right back. Fair enough. Uh, we should keep going and the 
reaction to going 2 0 up was uh, that man Simicast putting in a very dangerous looking cross in 70 minutes. 71 was one of my favourite um, uh, moments of the game. An outrageous pass by Thiago to Mo Salah. Great touch by Mo. He cuts in. The shot is fractionally wide. It's a lovely, lovely bit of football. 74 minutes to give them their due. This was the, ch- the opportunity uh, for them. Um, it's a pookie volley. It's wide of the near post after a, an Aaron's cross. Uh, and it's a decent opportunity. And he guess I guess maybe the pookie uh, who's in full flight a couple of years ago would have done better. Um, and that could have been a bit of a, 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 a sickener for us. 75 minutes they take on Plaquetta for uh, Sargent. Um, and on 78, we're back up their end. A low effort from Mo Salah, well saved by Gunn. Um, Tiago's out again on 79 minutes. His pass out to Simicus is just divine. It's just it's just like the most beautifully hit uh, golf shot you can imagine. Um, and it takes about a minute for us to go 3-1 up. Uh, Carl, I'll let you chat about this one. It's a gorgeous through ball, if we're being honest, from Henderson. Um, really splits that defence wide open. Uh, Diaz takes a great touch coming in, uh, sort of drifting in from left to right. Um, and as he's moving away to the right, clips the ball back over the keeper. Gorgeous dink, beautiful execution. Of all the goals, and I mean, obviously Sadio's was nice and there was something nice about the way Mo executed his goal as well. But this is the most aesthetically pleasing one with the nature of the pass, the touch, the finish. It was just textbook, really, really pretty goal. Um, And it's a significant moment, Carl. And it's something that is worth pausing for a moment to talk about because the longer it went on without him getting one, um, it might have become a slight issue. And now the nature of that goal, the way it was scored, um, I think it's uh, it, it's gonna really it can only be good news for the player and for us. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think he played well overall. Like we've mentioned, he he lost out possession a few times, and not all the dribbles came off, and all the rest of it. But the intensity in his game and how often he just went for it again and again and again, I think all of that was positive. Like the the amount of times that it was Diaz sprinting back and winning back the ball on the edge of the box, or uh, tracking back into into the left back zone once or twice as he did in the first half against the counters. I, I think overall this was very very impressive on the ball. There's room for improvement, but this little bit at the end I think was a really really good reward for all the off the ball and all the all the consistency and what he had to do that he did in the game. And the movement again was just legit. Like the the through ball is very very good. The little uh, person in midfield beforehand looks really simple but it actually just moves out of the way that blocker of two people in midfield just the little couple of passes that Diago and Henderson did between themselves that's what opens up the little space for them and uh, Diaz's movement like I say really really good across the defence at that speed you're not going to catch him and left foot finish as well we've not seen too much of his left foot actually so far it's been mostly outside of the boot when it's when he has to go across himself to use his right foot so it was nice to see just a a natural on the run little clip very controlled nice finish I was very very pleased for him to be honest and um, I think that that gave it a bit more realism the scoreline and yeah uh, also, also just to 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 note although it doesn't mean much but it's nice to see that was the first time our starting three forwards have all scored in the same game since we played and absolutely smashed Arsenal all over the place at the end of November 
yeah that's a that's always a lovely little stat and um uh, that always is a feather in the manager's cap if you ask me as well uh stick with me carl and what we'll do is you and i'll see the game out i'll go to dave for his closing thoughts and then i'll finish the show with you so after the third goal what was pleasing for me was that we didn't stop they bring on Lise Malou for Norman but on 82 minutes is a great break Diaz puts Sadio in uh, he shoots just wide he should do better actually he's in that kind of classic Thierry Henry position coming in from the left on his right foot uh, and he just gets a shot wrong uh, 85 minutes Mo cut in a shot low past the right hand post it was a sort of he kind of drags the, the, the shot across the face of goal and, uh, uh, wide of the, 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 the right hand post as he's looking at it they changed again brought on uh, Rowe for Rashid chat but that made no difference the next thing we did was have another shot this time it's Divock for from 80, uh, on 88 minutes, narrowly wide from distance. Actually, it was a good dig by him. We take on Taki for uh, Luis Diaz. Uh, they have a shot from Puki at the death, where which Ali stops when he's offside, which, you know, we, we, we have a particular fondness for on this show. Um, but I've got one specific thing to talk to you about. When they were bringing on Taki for Luis Diaz on 89 minutes, it would appear that the cop have decided to repurpose the Luis Suarez song mm. uh, for Luis Diaz. I'm not sure how I feel about this. Um, I am. I am. Uh, uh, go on. It's a no. It's a no for you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Why? Why? I, I appreciate. I appreciate the the attempt, and I applaud the sentiment. But no. Yeah, um, I, I I don't think that that's going to be a long lasting one. To be honest, I think there'll be something rather quickly formulated, which may or may not be better. But no, not not the same one. No, no. I'm glad I'm, gl- I'm glad you said that, Dave. You're taking that just before we we uh, we finish it. No, that's that's the Suarez song. That's the yeah. Suarez song, and leave it as the Suarez song. It's the same reason I don't ever want to hear the Torres bounce repurposed. No, or the Seven Nation Army Mascherano one rever- repurposed. Or the Ginny Wijnaldum, I never want to hear another C Senor. Their songs specific to those players. Those players earned those songs. Like I don't want to hear about some centre back in ten years who wears number four, who you know you can watch him defend and watch him score. Virgil was the one we watched defend and score. Songs are for specific players, and Diaz will warrant his own song. But like, let's let's just. Settle down and even giving them a song just yet, lads. It's three three games in. Jota's only getting a song now, and he's been at the club eighteen months. So let's all settle down on on wanting to rush, giving Diaz a song. Um, exactly. Yeah, Diaz. I, I did think Carl nailed it on his performance today. And I said to you after the Leicester game, yeah, fans love goals and assists and the the stuff in the final third. But what will really win them the hearts of everybody at Anfield is that off ball work. And I thought today his off-ball work was was exceptionally good. And for Klopp, Klopp knows he can get them to do the on-ball stuff. The, the the way we play, the quality we have, that will result in the on-ball stuff, stuff all coming off. It's that off-ball stuff that often takes quite a bit of time in this team. And Diaz seems to have settled into that very, very quickly. Yeah. Well, let's roll on with you then and get your sum-up thoughts. Apart from your feelings about Luis Diaz, uh, just on the match overall, and at the end of it, we'll get uh, a little bit of an insight from you about what's coming up for the week. A, a, a good win. Look, all you can do is win your games. That's all we can do now. Win our games and keep pressure on City. They're currently drawing one all 
with Spurs. Uh, Spurs would be one up if Hugo Lloris wasn't an absolute shell of himself, absolute catastrophe of an error for the City equaliser. But all we can do is win our games and keep the pressure on them and just keep grinding forward because it's it's in their hands now. Like the league is in their hands and will only become ours if they fuck up. So all we can do is win our games. If we can find any sort of scientist out there listening who knows of a way that we can somehow make it possible for Thiago Alcantara to play every single minute of every single game, uh, that would be a wonderful thing as well and would, would massively help us in our pursuit of all the trophies. Because we saw it today, I mean, I said it earlier, the guy, he was the man of the match. Mo's been given the man of the match, but Thiago was second in the fan voting and he played 30 minutes. Like yeah. the difference he made when he came on was just night and day. And not just to himself, but to everybody else. The whole team looked better. Compare and, and contrast Henderson's first 60 minutes to Henderson's last 30 minutes. He looked a different player with Thiago on the pitch. With Thiago on the pitch, he had a goal involvement for the first where it's his ball to Costas. He gets the assist for the second. And again, while Thiago won't get any mention in that goal, it's Thiago bringing the play to one side, shifting the Norwich defence across that creates that gap for Diaz to run into and Henderson to play the ball to. Like That's the type of difference that Thiago makes to this team. And I'm hopeful that this idea of 4-4-2 when breaking glass in, in games will stick around because imagine that with Thiago and Fab as the pivot. You, the ball, yeah. you just have more balance there, plus then a front four, which will have Jota and Bobby to come back into it. And Harvey is an option as well. And Kate Gordon is an option maybe next season. Those are things to be excited about. And obviously we saw we saw plenty to be be happy about today. The only thing I would say that we haven't mentioned, I thought Joel Matip had another questionable game agreed and, and that's that for me that's three league games in a row now where I've come away thinking Joel doesn't look the way he was looking pre-Christmas you know and even today there was no carrying of the ball and I thought that was something we could have done with today was him to go on a couple of adventures and try and drag a couple of Norwich players out of that deeper block they were playing in but that wasn't there his passing was a little loose and some of the defensive work just wasn't where you want to be and I mean, the goal they got, like it, that's a very lazy leg to just kind of s- stick out there. Either try and block the shot or don't. Like, don't do what you did. That's just asking for trouble. So that's the only real negative I'd have today is Joel is a little bit of a concern, but we won. So it's fine. Um, and we'll have tougher tests to come. Leeds in the week will be, will be a tough game. I'll be curious to see what Klopp does with his team for that one. And then obviously we've got the the final next next weekend, which is an, a bigger game and, and will be a big test because Chelsea are a good team, if not necessarily as good as they thought they'd be this season. And in terms of what you've got for the week, obviously there will be, I imagine, a scouted for Leeds. Anything else? Yeah, there'll be a scouted for Leeds. There'll be a scouted for Chelsea in the cup final. Uh, there'll be two-footed every day, daily red every day. And there'll probably be something else that pops up at some point then no doubt uh carl then just back to you for finish up thoughts and uh plugs yeah very very positive all around um obviously good to keep that winning run going of late and the unbeaten run at anfield since the horror show of last year uh still going strong nice to see 
Um, I'll just finish up with the usual couple of stats and also one quote, I think, this time, because it's funny. So Luis Diaz's goal today, uh, I did mention there about the pass and just before the actual through ball from Henderson, I've just found this since uh, the goal actually came at the end of 34 uninterrupted passes, which is the most for any Liverpool Premier League goal since Optus started collecting data. Lovely. So that's nice. That's yes. a nice way to uh, wrap up the game. Uh, at the other end of the spectrum of passes to goal, obviously, was Ali's, which was just one pass. So it's a firstly nice to see that we can just do things at both ends of the scale and we don't have to follow the same pattern every single time. But actually, Alisson's assist for Salah is his third goal involvement in the Premier League. Obviously, two assists and one goal. And uh, Opta helpfully inform us that's the most of any goalkeeper in the Premier League since Alisson signed. I'll be honest, I'm not surprised at that stat whatsoever. But again, nice to know. Uh, Salah, I actually tallied this one up just on full time. Between his shots and his key passes today, he actually took or set up a shot every six and a half minutes in this game, which is <laughs> nonsense to be bad. That's honest. ridiculous. <laughs> he, he was honestly, he was insane today. Some of that fuck work was just lunacy. Um, and I will finish off with actually a Stan Collymore tweet who says, Craig Dawson complained to the referee during the game between West Ham and Newcastle today because Newcastle striker Chris Wood kept on saying meow to Kurt Zuma. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's Sorry. it. There's nothing else to be said. End it now. That's oh, brilliant. Tremendous. Wow, wow, wow. Lovely. Delighted. You have to love the needle. Delighted. You have to love the needle. Delighted to end like that. That's fantastic. We will get out of your hair. Let you get back to whatever you're doing, folks. I want to thank Dave Hendrick and Carl Magin and producer Guy Drinkle. Uh, Dave and I and Jim Boardman will be back with you for the Leeds game on the 23rd. And then it's uh, the crew here today with you for the uh, final. No, I'm only joking. Obviously, that's going to be Guy and his crew for the League Cup final. So good luck to uh, them for that. And we will speak to you, like I said, for Raw in a couple of days' time. Uh, Go and mind yourselves. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, We'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.